Now there's a young man who went into the army and he was trained to be a paratrooper. And he was taught there are four rules. Jump when you're told. Count to ten and pull the ripcord. In the unlikely event that your chute doesn't open, pull the emergency ripcord. And when you get down, a truck will be waiting to take you back to the airfield. So the young man memorizes these rules. He knows them by heart. He gets in the plane and it climbs to 10,000 feet. And paratroopers are jumping and he's told to jump. And he jumps. And he counts to 10 and he pulls the cord and nothing happens. So he remembers his training quickly. And he pulls the emergency cord and nothing happens. And he's frustrated at this point, And he thinks... I suppose the truck won't be waiting for me either. <laughs> you ever have one of those days? Those days where, where nothing seems to go right. Where everything is, is just falling apart. Everything works against you. The day never seems to end. And it makes you feel sometimes that maybe God never really blessed me to begin with. Because I can't remember the last time I was blessed. You ever been there? I think most of us have. And those days seem to multiply. When you have one, it leads to two. When you have two, it leads to three. Because when we get into this, this negative circle, we find ourselves repeating it over and over and over again. God never promised that our days would be easy. Actually, parts of Scripture tell us that the days are evil. So what do we do with that evil? What do we do when, when we know that the times around us aren't doing the things that God has called us to do? What do we do? What hope do we have? The basic promises of Scripture tell us that God wants to bless us. But there are things that, that we can do to put ourselves in position to receive those blessings. This morning we're going to be in Psalm chapter 1. Very first Psalm. Um, if you listen to music of Casting Crowns, they... You know, they've called this the, the slow fade. Their song Slow Fade was based on this song. There is some truth here this morning that we're going to look at that tells us about those things that we need to do or not do in order to find God's blessings in our life. And this morning there in Psalm chapter 1 we begin and it says, How happy is the man who does not walk in the path of the ungodly. Or take the path of sinners. Or join a group of mockers. Instead his delight is in the Lord's instruction. And he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. That bears its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not survive judgment. And sinners will not, will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to ruin. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel in the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, thank you for loving us. Be with us now. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake and all God's people say. Amen. You know, God calls for his followers to be different. And in 2 Corinthians 6, he says, be ye separate from the world. Sometimes we've had a hard time doing that, right? Sometimes the world around us begins to encroach. How many of us like tea or coffee? We all have some sort of favorite drink, right? There's something that we like to drink. And, you know, with tea or coffee, a little sugar doesn't hurt. I mean, even black coffee drinkers, that would be me, um, can handle it. But that little bit changes things. That little bit changes the entire taste of the drink. 
all of a sudden you have sweet tea and the coffee maybe isn't quite as bitter. A little bit changes everything. And with sugar, it's for the good. But what if I gave you a glass of your favorite drink, but I added just a little dab of rat poison to it? Or a splash of pine salt? Would you still drink it? Of course not. You would say it's ruined. You would say, I'm not going to do that. It's something I don't want to do. Sin is the same way in our lives. That's how sin reacts in our lives. A little bit changes things. God loves us, but He hates our sin. Just a little bit of sin can change us and change our life from one that pleases God into one that displeases God. And the scripture this morning goes a little bit further. It talks about what happens when we hang out with sinners. It talks about how they rub off on us. That the more that we are around them, the more we become like them. And we have to be careful who we let influence our lives. Negative attitudes will give you a negative attitude. You cannot recharge your spiritual batteries by hanging around a negative person. It's not a possibility. It doesn't happen. If you're writing off the little sins of gossip and lying, you've probably been spending too much time with sinners. God calls us to go to the sinner, but he expects us to do that from a solid framework of support to do it. Jesus didn't just always live with the sinners. He would go to the sinners, but then he would spend time with God. He would go to the sinners, then he would spend time with other people who were faithful. And the scripture today describes the actions we're to stay away from. It says, don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Hmm. Walking is an action. Walking is something that you choose to do. Walking is something that, that must be done. God doesn't want us to walk in the direction of sin. It's a conscious choice here to go to the ungodly for your counsel. The ungodly doesn't necessarily mean bad people. There are good people out there who are doing things that are ungodly. There are good people out there who will, who will go to places they don't need to go to for the things that they want to hear. Some people start their day by getting their counsel from the newspaper horoscope. You ever read those? Today will be a good day, and you will have blessings, and the sun will shine on you. Gee, thanks for that. But that's not a godly source of knowledge. It's not a godly source of where to go. Some people go to the psychic on TV. You remember back, well, some of us remember, some of us won't, back in the 80s, that even Nancy Reagan got in the habit of calling the psychic, right? Because she wanted to know what was going to happen. Some of us get our <laughs> counsel from a talk show host. You ever watch talk shows much lately? I mean, they, you, know, you, got, you run the gambit. You got a bunch of ladies sitting on one show, spouting stuff. You got other people over there fighting on another show, and nothing's ever good. But if we take our counsel from the talk show host, or the celebrity, or a magazine, or the internet. We find ourselves going to ungodly counsel. Walking in the counsel of the wicked is a deliberate choice to get advice from somewhere whose basis is not scripture. That is walking in the counsel of the wicked. It's a deliberate choice we make that we are going to go somewhere else for our counsel to tell us how to live our lives before we go to scripture. We're going to go and say, well, we're not saying that God can't work or bring counsel from unexpected places. There are times in my life when God brings me something and it's like, I never expected it to come from there. 
I never thought to think that was going to be where I got inspiration this week. But when God brings inspiration from there, when God brings counsel from places that aren't Scripture, they are going to be confirmed by Scripture. It'll be something that you were reminded of that you had always heard is what's going to happen. It's never going to be that God is, you're going to open up something you're not supposed to be looking at, and God's going to give you a new truth, and you're going to go, man, this has to be. God doesn't work that way. That's an ungodly source. Our source for life is the Word of God. Our source for the things that we do is right here. The choice we're talking about here is choosing to look somewhere besides God. And when we choose to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, to go in that direction of sin, soon we find ourselves standing in their way. And the Bible says here, do not stand in the way of sinners. Now, this is this move from getting counsel from the ungodly to identifying with them. We don't accuse, oppose their viewpoint anymore. Suddenly their viewpoint is, is something that we're okay with. When we first go and we start taking our counsel from the ungodly, they may say something and we go, I don't, I don't know about that. But when we get to the point where we're standing, we're not opposing, opposing the viewpoint. We're embracing what they're saying. A lot of that's come out here lately in our world. It's not popular. I might not be popular for saying this, but some of those things are something like, Love is love. No, God is love. Love is a love. God is love. It's just a little sin. Maybe that's not what God meant. You know, the Bible's such an old book, and things are changing. Doesn't matter anybody else, and it makes people feel good, so it can't be wrong. That's some of the things that come out of people. That's some of the counsel that will come from somewhere else besides Scripture. When they begin telling you things that go completely against what the Bible says. And we find ourselves going, oh, that makes sense to me. Because we're humans. And we want to empathize with other humans. We want to connect with other humans. And so when people come to you and they say things like this, we have a tendency to want to go, well, you know... Maybe, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe, may, maybe something else will happen. You see, standing in the way of sinners is beginning to prefer the company of the ungodly to the company of God. The thing that happens that I find it's happened in my life is when I find myself standing in the way of sinners, when I try to go to the place to the people of God, I feel awkward. I feel out of place. I feel like everyone is looking at me. How many of us have been in that situation where the preacher's up here preaching and he's preaching something and you're going, how did he know that I did that? Yeah. I mean, we've all been there, right? That's something that's happened. It's something that works in our minds. And we find ourselves hurting. We find ourselves looking at that. Our first step that we had here was that we were walking to the ungodly to see what they had to say. The second step he talks about is we no longer walk back to where we were supposed to be. We stay where the ungodly are. Our lives, our thoughts, our decisions, our wants become them. We identify with their position. But there's only one position worth having. One place that we need to be. It's God's position. It's God's place. Everything else needs to be thrown out. It is so hard when people come to me and they say, But Brother Troy, I have this friend. 
And you're telling me that this choice they're making to live this life is a sin. But that means they can't ever get married. Okay. But I said the same thing to the single person, right? I'm not asking them to do anything more than I wouldn't ask anybody else to do. The problem is we try to take the holy word of God and make it make sense on our human terms. But that's not what's supposed to happen. We're not supposed to get to the point where we identify with the position. We're not with God's position. We're with our own position. We're with the position of the ungodly, position of the sinners. But for many, we don't throw it out. We don't turn around. We don't go back. For many people, that doesn't happen. After we begin to stand around, we begin to sit. He says, don't sit in the seat of scholars. We walked to the ungodly for counsel. We, we heard what they said, and we liked it. So we began to stand around, and then finally, we, we sit down and make it our own. You ever been to one of those places where you're going to meet somebody, maybe it's a party or whatever else, and you get there at first, and you're kind of going and you're nervous? You ever get nervous meeting people? Nervous. And you walk in, and so you're kind of on edge, and so you stand in the corner for a while, right? Not going around. As you get more comfortable, you move into the circle of people, and you begin to talk. I have a jacket on, I can't cross my arms around with and you start talking, and you just have this little conversation. And then sooner or later, you get comfortable. What do you do? You pull up a chair. You sit down. That's how sin works in our lives. That's how easy it is. Because we begin to find ourselves sitting in the seat of scoffers. Sitting in the seat of scoffers is to make the viewpoint of the godly, ungodly, your own. It wasn't that you just identify with it, now it's yours. <laughs> This is the most heartbreaking thing I ever see because I have friends, dear friends, who I went to school with, who, who I have spent my life with, who at some point have come to this point and they no longer want to hear about the things of God. And they will argue with me all day long about how my opinion is wrong and their opinion is right. And I have to look at myself, but mine isn't an opinion. I didn't come to this on my own. I was told this by the God that I serve. We become scoffers and mockers of things that are holy. We begin saying, and I don't know how many times I've seen people make fun of people in the church. And the people who make fun the hardest are those who used to be in the church. Because they think they know. Because I've seen it. Because I know it. And we stand against God rather than standing with God. We have to realize that we're being influenced. Television and internet have helped to make us a nation of scholars. Now, you may be saying, but Troy, television doesn't influence me. Are you sure about that? I know that millions and millions and millions of dollars are spent on advertising every day. Just this last week, we were sitting at home, and I wasn't paying attention to the TV. We were watching the game show network. And a commercial was on, and it came off, and Charlotte looked at me, and he said, Daddy! Don't you wish you had Liberty Mutual Insurance? I said, what? Why? Because it lies. No, but why did you ask me if I wanted it? Because you only pay for what you need. That was clearly what the commercial says over and over again. Clearly. That influenced him in that way. 
How about, what can 15 minutes do for you? It can save you 15% or more on car insurance by switching to God. Maybe she's born with it, or maybe it's Maybelline. Here's an older one. Where's the beef? Right? And where we go for that? Wendy's. How about taste the rainbow? Skittles. We're affected by advertising. We are affected by television. Advertising affects what kind of cereal you eat. It affects what toothpaste you use. It even affects what kind of toilet paper you buy. I mean, you know, everybody wants to use a toilet paper that the bear shoes, right? Because it looks so comfortable. Back in the 70s, it was, please don't squeeze the Charmin. You know, those things get within us, and they we're influenced by television. We're influenced by the internet. We're influenced by so many things around us that change how we think. And if you go on the internet and spend too much time, suddenly we start finding ourselves picking apart what the Bible says. I can find lots of stuff on the internet that will tell me how the Bible's wrong. How the Bible stories really aren't the Bible stories. They come from somewhere else. How, well, Jesus really wasn't unique because he was like so-and-so. And they're all over the internet. They're all there. People want to pick it apart. I was even in a seminary class once. Those, those stories never start well. Um, and I had a professor that I did not see eye to eye with. Because it's a different professor. Um, I've already told you about the blood I don't get along with. <laughs> Maybe the problem's me. I don't know. He wanted to tell me that Moses really wasn't Moses. That the reason why Moses' name doesn't show up as Moses in the prophets, he's just called the prophet was because Moses was added later as a name in the book of Exodus and all those other Pentateuch books and because his name literally means drawn out. So they literally gave him that name and that's what they did. And we argued about it. I'm not one to argue. We argued about it. He wasn't going to change my mind. So I know what the Bible says. And it amazes me how so many people can come to that and say, well, but, but this shows this. You know, one plus one doesn't equal three. No matter how many times somebody tells me it does. Who are you being influenced by today? We have to separate ourselves from the world and we must saturate ourselves with God's word. I love to saturate ourselves with God's word. A couple of years ago, the brightest college students were given a Bible quiz to see what they knew. These were students going into Christian colleges and universities. Here are some of their answers. Sodom and Gomorrah were lovers. The New Testament was written by Matthew, Mark, Luther, and John. Eve was created from an apple. Jesus was baptized by Moses. These were the brightest students going into Christian universities and that should alarm us, but I don't think it should surprise us. Recent studies say that most Christians spend well under an hour a week reading or studying the Bible. You don't believe me? Here's a little quiz of our own. You don't have to answer these out loud. I just ask questions. What is the Great Commission and where is it found in the Bible? 
Matthew 28, 19 and 20 says, What? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. What was the name of the righteous king of Israel that took office at age 8? His name was Josiah. Which prophet married a prostitute in obedience to the Lord? That's Hosea. Who helped to convert the Ethiopian eunuch, and where is it found? That will be Philip, over in Acts chapter 8. Who was Onesimus? And where can you find him in the Bible? Onesimus was the runaway slave who helps Paul in prison, who he is writing the letter about in the book of Philemon. What was the name of the high priest servant whose ear was cut off by Peter? His name was Malchus. It's found in John 18, verse 10. Where is the temple located in the new city in Revelation? There is no temple. Because God himself provides the life. Now, I don't say this to embarrass anyone or to make people feel guilty. Some of you may have gotten all of them, and that's great. Some may not have, and that's fine too. But I want us to see is that we can all spend more time in the Bible every week. For most of us, our Bible knowledge can be improved. If you don't believe me, quote it. There are rumors that Daniel Webster, you know the dictionary guy, could quote the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation. He could just quote the Bible. He knew it. He knew all of it. When you delight in something, you spend time in it. Scripture here says, blessed is the man, or his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. How happy is the man who meditates on the Lord's instruction. He delights in the Lord's law. What are you delighting? The Bible says, he who delights in the law of the Lord is blessed. He is like a tree planted by the water. I love that phrase. A tree planted by the water. It's a purposeful place. This wasn't a tree that just accidentally showed up. This isn't a tree that just happens to be there. This was a tree that was planted there purposefully. For the sake of getting nourishment. We have to situate ourselves by the water. Water is an interesting thing. 75% of Americans are chronically dehydrated. In 37% of Americans, the thirst mechanism is so weak it's often mistaken as hunger. Even mild dehydration will slow down your metabolism about 3%. One glass of water in the evening eliminated nighttime hunger pains in 99% of divers. Lack of water is the number one trigger of daytime fatigue. The researchers indicate that 8 to 10 glasses of water a day can significantly ease back and joint pain for 80% of people who suffer from it. A mere 2% drop in body water can result in fuzzy short-term memory. Drinking five glasses of water a day decreases the risk of colon cancer by 45%, breast cancer by 79%, and bladder cancer by 50%. Water is pretty important to our physical health. And the right type of water is important to our spiritual health as well. Remember the woman at the well? Those who come to him will be giving living water that will spring up to living water within you. So what does it mean to be planted by the stream? 
It means that we go to a place where we can get close to God and we just wait while he fills us. <clears throat> we position ourselves away from everything else but God and we wait for him. We have to position ourselves close to Jesus, the living water. We have to put ourselves there. It's going to be a time of prayer. It can be a time of soaking. I spoke with a friend from college this week. He was feeling the tug to return to a more active ministry. And God keeps saying to him, slow down. Wait, slow down, wait. He's like, man, Troy, I, you know, I want to reach out to this person. And God will say, stop. Just wait. And then he said, God says, just marinate. I love that word. Marinate. We need to be marinated in the word of God. When you marinate something, you leave it there to soak in the goodness, to soak in the flavor, to soak in everything that it needs to come out like you want it to come out. Whatever it is that God is calling us to do, however we plant ourselves by the stream, we must do it often so we can bear fruit. If a tree is away from water for any length of time, it will die and certainly not bear fruit. If we as Christians are cut off from our water, we're not going to bear fruit. And God blesses the life that is rooted in Him. If our roots go shallow, we'll be uprooted by any wind that comes along that blows. But if our prayer root grows deep, Nothing can separate us from the blessings of God. If you aren't rooted, you're soon uprooted and carried away. It says the wicked, like chaff, are blown away. We can't stand in the judgments. Sinners can't be in the assembly of the righteous. It says the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked perish. You can't rock your transgressions because everything you build on, sick will waste away. Everything we do according to the riches and blessings of God will be stored up in heaven. Now, you might be going, well, wait a minute. What does that have to do with us, Troy? You told us that once we know Jesus, we're his. We can't pick up his hand. That's true. That's exactly correct. But there's a warning here for believers. That if you find yourself in these situations, we have to examine the validity of our salvation. Are we really God's? If we can walk away from God and stay away from God, do we really belong to God? You know, it's amazing because in my family, my mom's side, we, uh, that's the redneck side of the family. I'll be honest, it is. Because we might be beating up each other one day. For one minute. But the next minute, we love each other. The next minute, it doesn't matter. Now, I told you before about the story about Woody's bar, right? With my mom and my uncle. When my uncle was with my mom, when my parents got divorced, and my uncle moved in to help out a little bit, he had taken my mom's car, and she couldn't find him, and she needed her car, and she got a friend to go pick him up, and went to Woody's bar there in Mineral Wells, and there he was sitting at the bar, and she went behind him and slapped him on the back of the head and took her keys and walked back out. And the guy beside him said something not nice about my mama. My mom got a call later on from Mineral Wells Police Department because she may be one of those, but she's still my sister. And so he went to jail. That's, that's that side of the family. That's, that's who we are. And it's this idea that with God, if we are away from God, we're going to feel the tug to go back to God. We will always feel this pull to be back where God wants us to be. If we're truly God's, we can't stay in our sin long. 
If we're truly gods, we can't park ourselves there. Because when we park ourselves there, something within us is, is dying. Something within us is, 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 is just being yanked apart. I mean, when I find myself away from God, there is something in me that says, you better get back where you need to be because you're not going to be like this for long. The warning here, because this was written in the Old Testament before we had Jesus, before you had that ability, the warning for believers is that if you find yourself in the spot where God is no longer important in your life, you need to stop and say, am I really belonging to God? Because if God is important in your life, He is in the center of your life. If you have pushed God away and it doesn't matter anymore, you have to ask, if it doesn't matter, did He ever really matter to me? Was I ever really His? Who's influencing you this morning? Are you walking to ungodly counsel? Have you looked up and found yourself standing in the way of sinners? Maybe you're sitting today. Maybe you found that you have made camp and you feel like there's no turning back. I'm here. There's no going back. And you feel the tug and you know that God is calling you and saying, get back to where you need to be. That is not a place for you. That is not where you should be. You remember the old cartoons and the old shows where people were hidden in the tree costumes? they pick up, they move. We're called to be trees planted by the water. Pick up and move. Go where God wants you to be. Plant yourselves by the water. Let yourselves be saturated and nourished and marinated in the Word of God. Because when we have the Word of God coursing in our lives, we find ourselves in a place that we can only be in His presence. It is amazing. It's never too late to get to the waters of Jesus. God loves you and He wants to bless you. You don't have to spend your day simply hoping that God's going to bless you. That's the problem most believers have today. Well, I really hope God will bless this. Are you situated yourself by the water? Are you saturated in His Word? Are you marinating in the presence of God? Are you doing what God would have you to do? Because if you are, God is going to bless you. There's no way around that. He, you will be blessed. You will be blessed and you will be, as my translation was once said, you will be happy. Man, it's nice being happy, right? Even, even when things don't look like they're going right, because you know you can be happy. I mean, I laughed a lot when I was watching the water rise this week. Everybody else was like, go get sandbags. I'm like, oh, yeah. there's water everywhere. And I'm going to wait because God's going to take care of me for now. If it starts coming in, we're going to have an issue. But as fast as that water rose, I wouldn't have got sandbags out fast enough anyway. I mean, that's the way it worked. But I would laugh because I would say, Harry, we drove home on what day was the last day? Friday? I think so. Because we were in Granberry. When it started coming out over there, it was just like sheets of water. My windshield walkers are on high. I still can't see, but we're driving really slow. It was Lake Thorpe Spring. You know, we, we, we had to wade through it to get home, and then we started getting closer. Man, we turned off over one of my Barry's house, and there wasn't, there wasn't as much water. And we're like, well, maybe we didn't get much. And then we pulled up. <laughs> and I saw the mark on the side of that desk where the water had been up, how high it had been up. And then I saw my backyard where I had another river back there, and it was like, wow. Okay. But it didn't go in the house. God works in strange ways. And even in the midst of turmoil and in the midst of 
bad things, if we are saturated in Him, we can be happy. We can find ourselves knowing that He's going to bless us. We can move ourselves and be planted by the streams of living water and watch as the blessings of God fall. <laughs> what about you? Are you in a drought? Is the irony for you in this past week or so the fact that you feel in a spiritual drought although you feel like you're drowning physically? Is that your irony this morning? Now is the time to move yourself and plant yourself on the streams of living water. Maybe this morning you're like the paratrooper that I started with. It just feels like every day has been one of those days. And you've gotten to that negative spin and nothing ever gets you positive. Now's the time to break that. Now's the time to find freedom from that today. Maybe this morning you want to pray. The altar's open. Maybe you want to spend time seeking God for what He wants for your life. Maybe this morning you want to surrender missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church of membership. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to know Jesus. I, I want to have that blessing. I want to be saturated in the Word. Now's the time to do it. We're not promised tomorrow. We're promised today. We're promised this breath. So come down. It's not easy to say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus. And we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now. We thank you. We praise you for your blessings.